0: This is an ABC podcast. For me as a woman who has gone through this polygamy business and going through the hardships of polygamy and all that, I see that these cultural expectations and practices really contributes to women especially. We are vulnerable to polygamy. In, in modern
1: context now, there's a lot more killing happening and co-wives killing each other and, and, uh, and even the men are being murdered by women who suspect them having, you know, adulterous relationships. So this is happening. There's more social problems now than before.
2: We just missed out on the normal, you know, input that my father would have given us, or, you know, to our mother, like loyal love, partnership, companionship for her and for us. You know, we missed out on guidance and physical security for us children that comes with having a father there.
3: How would you feel if your husband or partner had another wife or girlfriend, or perhaps even many wives and girlfriends? Polygamy, having more than one wife has been practiced all around the world throughout history. From Mormons to Muslims, many cultures and religions have accepted the idea that a man can have more than one wife. It seems much less common for a culture to accept that a woman can have more than one husband, though. Most countries in the Pacific are predominantly Christian, so polygamy is not very common, especially in Polynesian countries like Samoa and Tonga. But in parts of Melanesia, it's a different story. Even though marrying more than one woman at the same time is illegal, polygamy is not uncommon in many parts of Papua New Guinea. So what's the experience like for women? Is it just a normal part of the culture that has survived the impact of the Christian missionaries? Or is it harmful, as the United Nations argues? I'm Hilda Wayne. Sisters, let's talk about modern-day polygamy in Papua New Guinea. It's hard to know exactly what polygamy in PNG looked like before the Christian missionaries arrived, and it's even harder to know how women felt about it back then. Former PNG MP Dame Carol Kidu has said in the past that traditional polygamy required the husband to be able to provide for all wives and children in the family, and it also needed the approval of the existing wives. She says women's consent and the well-being of the community was considered. Before the missionaries arrived, polygamy often happened when a man owned a lot of land and required extra wives to work the land and raise pigs. It was a sign of status and wealth. And sometimes, if a man's first wife had fertility problems, he found a new wife to bear children. But what does polygamy in PNG look like today? According to an expert paper from the United Nations Division for Advancement of Women, it's a destructive practice that arms women and girls. It causes big problems in families and often leads to violence, both violence by men against women and sometimes between women who are married to the same man. There's also the dark issue of human trafficking, where women and girls are kidnapped and forced to marry against their will. The women we have spoken to are not happy with polygamous marriages. Given this, is it time for polygamy to be banned? Meet Sarah Garap, a human rights and social justice advocate in Joaka province in PNG. Sarah is a founding member of two women's rights organizations, Coop Women for Peace and Mary Garap Supporting.
1: I think it should be criminalized. It did work in the past, you know, the women shared responsibilities and they didn't feel that one was favored over the other and the men knew how to look after those women you know built them separate houses gave them separate land and all of this but in in modern context now there's a lot more killing happening and co-wives killing each other and and uh, and even the men are being murdered by women who suspect them having you know adulterous relationships so um so this is happening there's more social problems now than before So why are we entertaining such an attitude and such a practice?
3: According to Sarah, the introduction of money has changed the course of polygamy in Papua New Guinea in a big way.
1: Men with some status in the community in the past had more than one wife, and it's related to status as well as, you know, someone with oratory skills for speaking in public and attending to community events and all that. But I'm saying more polygamy because more in the, you know, since people got educated and moved into towns. And I think money has a lot to play in that regard. But, you know, bus drivers and security guys and policemen and people with not much income, I think, getting more wives. And it makes you wonder what's the benefit in, in these kinds of relationships. Why do you think they do this? In certain parts of PNG, the girls between 15 to 19 years old, they are more preferred over, you know, older and middle-aged women. And so mostly men lure these women into becoming their third or fourth, even fifth, sixth, seventh wife, which is a sad thing. Many young girls are also voluntarily getting into such relationships maybe because of economic needs or something. But it's just becoming worse. I don't see it as uh, decreasing in any way. There's not a lot of awareness, educational awareness being conducted or anyone going out strongly advocating against polygamy. So I think it's a problem that will go on for a long while yet in PNG.
3: And Sarah, uh, we often see older wealthy men practicing polygamy, but there are also younger men, and um, how is that impacting, for example, generationally? Are kids affected as well? In in the past,
1: kids who come out of second, third, fourth wives are not really illegitimate children because village people know that you know this child is from this wife. Number three or number four, and you know they they belong to a village setting. More recent, uh, I think the men are just getting second, third, third wives, and if they can provide accommodation for them and take them to their villages, then they are seen as you know the the children. I think are seen as legitimate. But if they if one is in Le, one is in Goroka, one is in Simbu, two three wives in Simbu, I think these children are. They, they, they. later on, when their fathers die, I think they would not belong to a community. I think they'd be more seen as displaced children with no heritage.
3: That's sad. There are reports of kidnapping and human trafficking in, in relation to polygamy. How does this happen?
1: Yeah, I think it happens a lot in Moresby. It probably happens along the highway as well, but I, I, I haven't heard of any stories along the highway. But I think it's frequent. I think I think, you know, guys are moving around in groups and they pick up women. I think it could be two two years ago. This happened a lot in Mount Hagen, but that has been sort of controlled now. So the guys would pretend as if they know this woman in town and you know, that's hey, where did you go? Did you, you you you're supposed to return three, four days ago. How come you didn't come back? So the guy is getting violent in town. And the woman is just completely right. But he he comes with a group of people, so they you know, physically harass and, you know, throw into a vehicle or something. And that happened two years ago in Mount Hagen, about two or three cases. But more recently, I've been in the village, so I haven't had much about these things. Sometimes I read the papers, other times I don't. So I haven't been um, reading about any other ad- abduction. But you see it on Facebook all the time about a missing person in Port Morsby, and she happens to be 60 and 19 years old. So, you know, we can assume that that's happening in Morsby.
3: You've been witness to a number of polygamous marriages in your community. How are women impacted in these marriages?
1: Um, I've got two cases recently. One lives uh, with me on my parents' land, and he's got two wives. And he's telling the two wives he didn't want any one of them to argue or fight. And they all live in the same house, and they, you know, one cooks, the other one serves. So I don't know how that is working out for them, but they all share the same house. Another case, more recently. Two weeks ago, this guy, a very young fellow in his late 40s, he passed away, but he's got three wives. So what what's going to happen to these three wives and if, you know, they have children or not? And if this cousin some years ago about polygamy bill, um, I don't think there's a lot of awareness, educational awareness being done about it, you know, getting people's views about it. I think a lot more people will say that it should be criminalized because of all this social problems and too many children not being in school and not being properly provided for
3: and all of that. Mm, That's really sad. Sad that children get caught up in in decisions that are made by adults and they get impacted negatively. Just out of curiosity, you've worked in this space, you've seen, you know, domestic violence and all this, you know, happening in the family. Are there situations where women actually fight over each other, over men in such situations? Um, relationship or marriage?
1: Of course they do. A number of uh, women have gone to prison for killing their co-wives. It, it's just one, it's it, it's a social evil that needs to be done our with because more and more men are not feeling responsible. They don't use responsible attitude in, in taking care of the children, especially. So Sarah, how do we go about tackling these issues? Women also have to have questions about a relationship that they want to have. Find out about this person, you know, if there's one dark little strip of uh, an attitude that you don't agree with or doesn't fall to your liking, I think it's an alert sign that you don't stick around with him, you know, just walk away. There's a lot more talk about gender-based violence and sorcery accusation-related violence, tribal fights, you know, law and order issues and all that, but not much discussion around Uh, some of the key drivers that makes um, society, family foundation breaking away and all that. So I think a lot more educational awareness should be done on on the issue of polygamy. And, you know, some social justice groups should continue to push for the polygamy bill because I think the PNG government did make some changes to marriage laws in which women can sue for fifty percent access to property in the event that they divorce, but not many women are aware of their rights. So there's a lot more awareness needs to be done about marriage and property rights and you know, go to the courthouse and get your merits certified and those kinds of awareness. Not much happening. That needs to happen.
3: Sarah Garap, a human rights and social justice advocate in Joaca province in PNG. She is advocating for more discussions and awareness around marriage laws in PNG to tackle the social issues that stem from the practice of polygamy.
0: You're listening to Sisters
3: Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia. Judy married her husband in the Catholic Church and had three children. Twelve years into their marriage, Judy was shocked when it took a second wife she feels strongly about the harm that polygamy causes to women and children in PNG, refusing to tolerate it when it happened to her.
0: Because of the Kelly strong doctrine about the matrimonial marriage that I had with him, I do not dissolve my marriage, but he's living separately and I'm living separately. But the children, uh, we both share the same uh, said shared responsibilities. I had to dissolve my marriage. not dissolve totally, but I had to live away from my husband. At times he supports my children. I have three children and they're all in universities. So he's uh, looking after their school fees and all that, but uh, we don't live together.
3: Judy, what are your views on polygamy in PNG? In
0: the highlands of Papua New Guinea, polygamy do exist for several reasons, like in the past, And uh, it goes on into the present and maybe into the future for several reasons like wealth and uh, fame, labor, for security reasons, and especially those, um, most of these cultural expectations and practices. They think it's okay, but for me as a woman who has gone through this polygamy business and going through the hardships of polygamy and all that, I see that these uh, cultural expectations and practices really contributes to women, especially we are vulnerable to polygamy. Like from a personal point of view, we are vulnerable to polygamy because there are other contributing factors. Could you
3: explain a bit about those
0: factors you are referring to? In the Highlands region of Papua New Guinea, we have this kind of uh, big manship uh, culture. So, especially the men folks, they think that when they are having so many wives, it's part of their wealth, of oh, wealth and their fame, their big manship, the society. And maybe because the woman will produce plenty of children, and then those male children are regarded as security for the men. And then during the time of labor, when there is bride price ceremony or compensation or other gardening activities in the village, or so, um, that particular person has a lot of labor. You see, but um, in the present, and according to where. I work from uh, the Catholic Church is strongly vocal about polygamy, and we promote the Church sacraments and the Catholic social teaching as the tradition of justice, in which we empower women into equal participation and development, and see polygamy as a stumbling block. What do religious yeah. leaders
3: say about polygamous marriages, given that they are not usually accepted in Christianity?
0: I belong to the Catholic Church, and I see that uh, the Catholic Church promotes one single marriage because um, they want a good education and they want a strong uh, family because they see that family is the foundation of every existence. So the Catholic Church, they promote uh, good matrimonial marriage and they do not accept polygamy totally because... They do not want. They, uh, there's plenty of uh, social, a lot of social issues, especially like drug and uh, early pregnancy for young girls, and all this come about because of holy So, can the church take the family as the filler or the foundation of uh, family where they can dwell and have their Christian faith surrounding around it, so that they, we, we promote good Christian marriage,
3: Judy great observations. How do you get along with your husband's wife or so wife?
0: I see that uh, because she is not a career woman and she's uh, like, you know, like I said, uh, woman these days, we can say the persuasive kind of economic social influence on the woman that uh, they are attracted because of money. So because I am a breadwinner, I just ignore it and I try to live uh, my own life because the more I want to look at her, she's not a, career, a woman where, who is uh, sick can challenge me in any ways or whatever. So I let them alone and I think that my mental health is very important. So I had to look after myself and my children and I just pretend that they do not exist or things like that. And I mind my own business.
3: That's coming from your personal point of view and your experience. And uh, thank you for sharing it. I just wanted to ask you a final question. How many sons do you have?
0: I have two sons and a daughter.
3: And uh, do you hope or do you talk to your children that this son Cycle of polygamous marriages sort of disrupts children's upbringing and so forth. Do you encourage your children not to follow their father's footsteps in this yeah. kind of relationship?
0: Yes. yes. And I, I always tell my sons and my my two sons are married and then they have a daughter Eats and I have two so I my, uh, my daughter is also married and she also has a son. And every time I'm talking them. About uh, polygamy is not good, and they should just have a single, just one, or yeah, one woman. So that they progress in development in terms of economic and social development, and all this. And all my three children have reached university, so they are very good. You have done really well. You
3: are a very strong mom, and um, you're breaking the cycle with your children. And uh, it's so wonderful to hear your story, Judy. Thank you, Hilda. What a situation for Judy to be in unable to leave a polygamous husband because of her Catholic faith. Despite that, she's doing all she can to break the cycle of polygamy in PNG by being a positive influence on her children. When we talk about polygamy, it's often about what that is like to be in a polygamous marriage. But what's it like for kids to grow up with a father with multiple wives? I want to introduce you to a woman who we'll call Alice. We've changed her name to protect her identity. Alice grew up in PNG with her father who had multiple
2: wives. I'll say that my family's situation was not the traditional form of polygamy, You know, where a man owns a lot of land and requires extra wives to work the land and raise pigs to give him status in society or whether there's a need to increase the population in the tribes. As was the case before the colonizers came along and um, they introduced their currency, cash, and their lifestyle that required cash. So today's polygamy is more like a cash-pumped polygamy for my family. My father had begun relationships with other women, which my mother refused to tolerate. So we lived away from my father and he had more than one wife or more than one extra or additional woman. And eventually he had more than 10 additional children after us. It was like he had set up more than two households. I'd say for my mother and my siblings, this meant that we didn't see our father regularly, although he did provide for us. And my mother was also a breadwinner and just, we just missed out on the normal. You know, input that my father would have given us, you know, to our mother, like loyal love, partnership, companionship for her and for us. You know, we missed out on guidance and time, his time, discipline from him, physical security for us children that comes with having your father there.
3: How did your father having
2: other wives and children impact on your life? It wasn't illegal back then. This was the early... Early years of PNG's history. And um, like what happened was that eventually my father wasn't able to sustain multiple sets of families and households. So my mother, you know, she went on to step up as a provider. She was employed. She provided accommodation and food and other needs for us. And, you know, where my father couldn't provide um, because his finances were already stretched. So he just wasn't generating enough cash to, to sustain everyone. But the way that it impacted us. As we got older, it meant that we had less food on the table. We, Our school fees were not paid on time. We couldn't pursue higher education. We had to enter the workforce early, like we would, what, 16, 17, 18. It caused more issues within ourselves. We had, like, things that surfaced later on in our life, like depression. You know, these are unseen and unspoken things, but the, these are very real effects of what polygamy and situations like this due to people, and my brothers didn't exactly have a good example to learn from in terms of when they had their own relationships.
3: Yes, it's illegal in PNG, but it's being practiced like it's normal now. Uh, why, why do you think this is happening?
2: I'm going to put it very bluntly, you know, my opinion. It is still being practiced today because where a man already has a wife and children, polygamy just provides extra sex, honestly. That's what I. That's what I see. For polygamy it can provide extra sex. I mean, he's already got a wife and children. He's wanting extra sex that cash can pay for. It's sex on tap. Just another pretty harsh or blunt way of saying it. But for a man who wants that, polygamy can provide that, and if he's got the cash, he's paying for it. Men generally that are practicing it are men who have a lot of money, and then they. Alluring young women or girls with that cash and the promise of a better lifestyle. And a lot of the girls who are then being sucked into this, they are often from families that are struggling financially, and their parents um, often support this. You know, obviously, the parents haven't raised sons to view women in in the right way. Parents that haven't raised daughters to value themselves and to understand that it's important to generate your own income as a woman.
3: Uh, and um, you mentioned this sort of relationship having a really negative impact on you and your siblings. That's, uh, I think, is something that's common, you know, among many families who are in this kind of relationship. What was it like for your mother, uh, uh, mental health, and you seeing the change when there were more women in your, your father's life?
2: My mother was taking Valium. When my father started these additional relationships, because she was depressed, she could not sleep. So in order to keep herself going, she felt she needed to be away from the situation and keep working for her sanity and to be able to provide for us as well. That was my, my mother's words she told us as we were growing up. I took Valium because I was so depressed, I could not sleep. I had so much pain in my heart, I couldn't sleep. This is real.
3: Yourself, what was your relationship like with your dad?
2: Every time I got to see my father, there was so much joy. But being with him and then having to be away from him was very painful. Oh, I can remember the day I realized he wasn't there. I was about five and then I realized the day that he wasn't there. You know, I thought I was massive pain. Um, and, And that pain just went on and off over the years. The same for my siblings. And I'm sure it was the same for my half-siblings, wherever they were. It's just a painful way to be <laughs> as a child. <laughs> you know, when we got to talk about it later, they did express that they, it, it was also painful for them. I mean, they, we're all human, you know. This is a painful way to grow up, whether as a woman that's involved in it or as children. There was never one big happy family. Our mothers didn't have a good relationship at all. What woman would be happy to share her husband? None of them. This is impacting women and children a lot more than men. I feel men forget, and they think, that's okay, money is going to cover everything. Pass your mouth. You know what I mean? Like, even are not going to talk, talk. People provide providing everything. We put food on the table. We provide the school fees. We provide whatever. Women and children, shut your mouths. Just accept this. And then the women either just tolerate it or they fight amongst themselves, and the children have resentment amongst themselves, and it goes on for a lifetime. Unacceptable, in my view, anyway.
3: It's so sad to hear the pain caused to Haley's and her family by the practice of polygamy. If you've had a similar experience, remember that you are worthy of a good life and a loving relationship. This is Sisters Let's Talk with Hilda Wayne. Today we've heard the stories of women who've been affected by polygamy in different ways. Those stories are very sad and hard to listen without getting angry. All of these women agree that polygamy is a practice that's bad for women. It causes huge problems for families, relationships, and society, and children in these relationships are affected as well. It causes violence and exploitation, and it's very rare to hear a story of a woman who wants this practice to continue. So what can be done? Polygamy has already been made illegal in PNG, but those laws are not always enforced. Dame Carol Kiddo has said that modern versions of polygamy is a problem that's too complicated to be solved at a legal level. As with so many things in PNG, this problem can only be solved through cultural change. Women need to be empowered to make decisions about who they marry, and they need to have economic independence so they are not coerced into staying in a polygamous marriage that they don't want or becoming someone's second, third, or fourth wife. Our women deserve better than that. Thank you so much for joining me, Hilda Wayne, for Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia, a weekly show by Pacific Islands Women for Pacific Islands Women where we get together to talk about the issues that are important to us. If you've missed an episode of the show, we're also a podcast. In the Pacific, just search for Sisters Let's Talk wherever you get your podcasts. If you're in Australia, you can listen to Sisters Let's Talk on the ABC Listen app. If you've got a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or any feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message anytime at the ABC Radio Australia Facebook page or email sisters at abc.net.au. That is S-I-S-T-A-S at abc.net.au. Next time on Sisters Let's Talk beauty pageants have been celebrated for decades in the Pacific.
0: My Samoa lies in the biggest ocean continent in the world amongst some of the most richest and nicest people you could ever meet with cultures so deep and vast that just the mere thought brings great emotion out of me and that's what the Miss south Pacific did to me.
3: That's next time on Sisters Let's Talk. Sisters Let's Talk is presented by me, Hilda Wayne. It's produced by Amanda Donaghy. Our supervising producer is Inga Stunzner. Executive producer is Justin Kelly. Our cushioning editor is Ilaria Walker. Sisters Let's Talk is an ABC Radio Australia production. I'm Tasol Nabungimu next time.